worship leaders, worship musicians, and those who love to worship. Last week, we started talking about leadership lessons from the life of David. But do you think there's more that we can learn from David? Let's talk about it. Welcome to Blueprint Sounds. My name is Nathan Smith. Today we're in part two of a multi-part series, Leadership Lessons from the Life of David. And we're going to talk about his time in the desert with his 400 scraggly bunch of men. But before we get there, I want to give you something. If you go to my website, blueprintsounds.com, you can get access to my free PDF guide called 25 Chart Topping Arrangement Tricks. It gives you 25 tricks that you can use to make your song more interesting from start to finish. It gives you a couple sentences about why the trick works. And then it gives you a song from the radio so that you can hear the trick in action. Again, go to my website or click on the link nearby, www.blueprintsounds.com forward slash 25 tricks. All right, let's talk about King David. David has fled from Saul and is in the desert and 400 men and their wives and children have gathered to David and he's now trying to keep them alive as they move throughout the desert and try and get away from Saul. But someone comes and tells him that the Philistines are attacking a city nearby called Keilah. And so we pick it up in 1 Samuel 23. Then they told David, saying, Behold, the Philistines are fighting against Keilah and are plundering the threshing floors. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and attack these Philistines? And the Lord said to David, Go and attack the Philistines and deliver Keilah. But David's men said to him, Behold, we are afraid here in Judah. How much more if we go to Keilah against the ranks of the Philistines? Then David inquired of the Lord once more, and the Lord answered him and said, Arise, go down to Keilah, for I will give the Philistines into your hand. So David and his men went to Keilah and fought with the Philistines, and he led away their livestock and struck them with a great slaughter. Thus David delivered the inhabitants inhabitants of Keilah. Unfortunately, the inhabitants of Keilah weren't as grateful as they should have been. God warns David that they will, the city will surrender him to Saul when Saul comes to look for him. So they end up leaving Keilah, and we pick it up in this really interesting passage at the end of chapter 23, where David and his men are on one side of the mountain trying to get away from Saul, and Saul and his men are on the other side of the mountain. Saul went to one side of the mountain, and David and his men on the other side to the mountain. And David was hurrying to get away from Saul, for Saul and his men were surrounding David and his men to seize them. But a messenger came to Saul, saying, Hurry and come, for the Philistines have made a raid on the land. So Saul returned from pursuing David and went to meet the Philistines. Therefore they called that place the Rock of Escape. David went up from there and stayed in the strongholds of En Gedi. So the beginning and ending of this story leads us to our first principle that we're going to talk about today. And that is that good leaders know when to press ahead to grow their people, and they also know how to give them rest at the appropriate time. So let's go back to the beginning. David has just gone out to the desert with these 400 men who are discontented and owe money and bitter. But God needs to grow these men into a fighting force. And so the attack on Keilah comes and David asks, hey, do I go ahead and deliver the people from Keilah and attack the Philistines? And God says, yes. And the guys don't want to go. They said, we're, we're scared here in Judah. What do you think? We're not going to go out into Keilah and fight against the Philistines. They don't think they can do it. They have, they have no self-confidence in that area. And so what does David do? He inquires of the Lord again. God says, yes, you will be successful. And David, over the objections of his own people, decides 
we're going to do this. We're going to push hard. We're going to try. We're going to grow. And it works. Sometimes in leadership, you have to go over and above the objections of the people that you're leading. This was not a democracy. David was chosen. Those people came to him and vested their authority in him by saying, hey, you are our leader. But they didn't put everything to a vote. He was the leader. He heard from God, and he decided that they were going to go and fight against Keilah. Their personal objections did not matter. And that's what was necessary to grow those people to the next level. But there's a flip side to that as well. After the men had gone through that big ordeal, that intense time of growth, realizing that they could actually fight and win a battle, and then have to escape from Saul, what happens? Well, it says David went and took his men to En Gedi. Well, you should Google En Gedi. It is this beautiful place with waterfalls and high cliffs and fortifications. It's an amazing oasis in the middle of the desert. David, after that intense time of growing his men and pushing hard and and going for more, needed to take a break, right? He needed to give his men some rest. And so they went to En Gedi and hid there and just kicked back and relaxed. That's the other half of the principle, is that leaders know when to push ahead, but they also know when to rest their people. Both are necessary. Let me share a story from my own life. Like I said last week, I used to lead two worship teams at an organization, and I didn't lead, but I was their coach, and they would do the worship leading. Well, in addition to leading our own community, the above and beyond was that they would go out into the community and lead at other churches and whatnot. That's the growth area. It wasn't enough for them to just stay on their home turf. They needed to get outside of our own walls and go and do more and set up and tear down and learn how to talk to people and all the rest of it. And that was a really good time of growth. But there also needs to be a time of rest, and I'll tell a quick story about that. There was one period of time where my teams had played their heart out, especially one team had had a couple of um, traveling events at the end of one month and then one at the beginning of the new month. Just the way that the calendar fell, it was hard on them. They had been through it. And as I looked at them during practice, I, you know, I just looked at them. They were trying their best. They were They were being faithful. They were doing a good job, but they looked so tired. And so I went to both teams and I said, hey, this next week, your obligations for the week upcoming, you don't have to worry about it. I'm going to take that burden off you. I'm going to lead just for my acoustic guitar. I'll pull in a couple musicians. I'm taking it. You can have the week off. And you could just see their shoulders go, whew, finally we get a break because they, they didn't anticipate having any kind of break for a long time. That rest is really, really necessary, and leadership needs to make sure that they build that in or that if something falls to the cracks where you can tell that your people are tired, you need to make time for those kind of breaks. There are some churches that are so goal-oriented and its leaders have such a vision, eye on the prize, they tend to forget this. They just keep pushing, and they in themselves may do it, But they don't treat their team like people. They treat their team like they exist to help that person fulfill their goal. And that's where you get burnout, and that's where you get resentment. And so you'll have new recruits come in that don't know anything about that. They'll serve in the church for a while. They'll they'll serve sacrificially. They'll pick up the heavy end of the log. And then you have a big, fat back door where all of the people who can't hack it anymore have to escape to after they've been in the church for too long. That's not a healthy culture. 
That's not something that's sustainable. And even if it were sustainable, it doesn't honor God with the people that he gives to you. What you want is to take care of your people. To do so, you need times of growth, but you also need times of rest. That's principle number one. There's one more story to tell from David's time in the desert, and this is probably the most dramatic one, and it's about Ziklag. So David and his men have left their wives and children and livestock at this place called Ziklag. But while they were gone, the Amalekites come and raid Ziklag and take everybody captive. Well, when David returns with his men, they are absolutely distraught. It says that they were thinking of killing David, that they were, they were so overcome that this had happened. But it says David strengthened himself in the Lord and decided they were going to go back and get it. Well, at one point they come to a brook and there are 200 men out of the 600 that are so tired they can't go any further. So David leaves them and takes the remaining 400 men. Well, they get to the Amalekite camp and they take back everything and they completely rout the Amalekites. But it's what happens after that victory that's really important. So we pick it up in 1 Samuel. When David came to the 200 men who were too exhausted to follow David, who had also been left at the brook Besor, and they went out to meet David and to meet the people who were with him, Then David approached the people and greeted them. Then all the wicked and worthless men among those who went with David said, Because they did not go with us, we will not give them any of the spoil that we have recovered, except to every man his wife and his children, that they may lead them away and depart. Then David said, You must not do so, my brothers, with what the Lord has given us, who has kept us and delivered into our hand the band that came against us. And who will listen to you in this matter? For as his share is who goes down to the battle, so shall his share be who stays by the baggage. They shall share alike. So it has been from that day forward that he has made it a statute and an ordinance for Israel to this day. This brings us to principle number two. Good leaders protect their culture from predators. In that moment, the predators, the worthless and the wicked men who were part of David's clan, whom he needed for battle, didn't shut any of that off. They didn't treat their other brothers with kindness. They said, this is my chance to get some extra stuff. You're weak because you couldn't make it across the brook. So take your child and your, and your wife and go, but everything else belongs to us. What does David do? He immediately shuts it down. He says, nope, we are not doing that. And he even belittles them. He says, who will listen to what you say? He has to immediately and strongly come against their predatory mindset, and instead as a, act as a protector. Because he realizes that an army has to have a supply chain. That's just from a rational point of view. But from a relational point of view, he also knows that the wicked predators cannot win the day. It can't be whatever they say goes, because it would eventually fracture the entire group. If those 200 men suddenly don't feel safe and, and don't feel, okay, well, this is no place for me, then All of that work that David had done to make a culture that stayed together even as they went around in the desert would completely disintegrate. And David needed all of his men. Moreover, David needed those spoils that those predators wanted for themselves. Let's keep going and find out. Now, when David came to Ziklag, he sent some of the spoil to the elders of Judah, to his friends, saying, Behold, a gift for you from the spoils of the enemy of the Lord. And then it goes on to name more of the cities in the area that David sent gifts to. Well, those were all of the the towns and cities that David and his men had been in the desert during that time. All of the ones that they'd kind of been living off of their support, right? They had been protecting the fields and the livestock, but they were also getting stuff. And now David returns the favor. 
What is that doing? That's building political goodwill, which he is going to need to become king over Judah and then eventually king over all of Israel. So those wicked predators, all of they're thinking about is themselves and all they're thinking about is today. Hey, more meat for today. David is thinking about tomorrow and how do I use this capital to turn it into more goodwill, which will eventually win me the kingship. He's thinking long-term and the predators are only thinking short-term. Let me share another story from my life that explains this principle. When I took over the tech department at this organization, it was, I think, all male or nearly all male. And as you would expect with a male-dominated culture, it was a little bit coarse. The guys joked with each other in a coarse way, and, and that's kind of to be expected, but it was just a little bit more rough and tumble. But what I noticed, and I noticed this after I left, is that during my time, as I started to impose my values and started to pull back the guys and say, hey, we need to put this power under control, and I have certain expectations about how you're going to act with one another, more women started opting into working on the tech team. Until by the time I was done, it was majority female. Why is that important? Well, any society can base its health on its women and its children, right? Any society that does not value women and children will not last long because that's where the kids come from, right? So you can look down through history, any society where women and children are treasured and they're taken care of thrives. Where they don't, it's not long until you don't have a society anymore. Think about any healthy marriage. Don't ask the guy how it's going. He could be eating chips on the couch and oblivious and think everything's great. Ask the wife. And it's the same in any organization. An organization's health is based on the happiness and health of its women. And so if you have an organization that is welcoming and where women can thrive, then you know that you have life happening there. So setting aside, you know, a men's sports team and a women's sports team, something that's segregated on purpose, any organization that's co-ed where women are thriving and healthy and happy is healthy and happy. But where women are either scared to be a part of it or not healthy, you have an unhealthy organization. So by the time I left, I knew that I had done my job of protecting the culture from predators because we had more women who wanted to be involved in that department. That's why James says that true religion that the father finds acceptable is to take care of widows and orphans. It's those who are weaker that need protection from a predatory mindset. And guess what? We're all weak, but we're all predators. It's just that we have it in different areas. So good leaders know how to protect their culture from those who would be predatory. So let's recap. The first principle that we can glean from David's time in the wilderness is this. Good leaders know how to push ahead and grow people by getting them to do a little bit more than they even think they can, but they also know how to have times of rest and relaxation and ease it off because people need that as well. Secondly, good leaders know that they have to act as a protector for their culture against predators, even when predators are part of their community. Those predatory mindsets have to be tamped down, and a good leader knows how to impose his values and say, no, that's not what we do here. This is how we act. A culture of protection that includes both weak and strong members will last, and it actually is a healthy community. A community of only weak people can't do anything for themselves, and a community of only strong people will eventually implode or eat itself. Hey, I hope that video helps you. 
And again, if you need help with your arrangements, make sure to go to blueprintsounds.com forward slash 25 tricks. Until next time, God bless and goodbye.